Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Happy New Year! I'm so excited to kick off 2023 with my buddy, Ranger Al. Now, Al, his official title is the Regional General Manager of Safari Products of the Tent Swallow Safari Collection. My wife and I actually met Al during our first trip to South Africa when we stayed at the Tent Swallow Safari Lodge and the Manuleti Game Reserve. And we were just blown away with our whole experience at Tent Swallow, our whole experience of having Al as our guide. And I knew immediately once I met Al that I need to get him on the podcast because in my eyes, Al has a dream job. He gets to go out on safari every day. He gets to see animals like wild dogs and lions and cheetahs and hyenas and hippos. I mean, the list goes on. So I had such a good time talking to Al. I relived some of my encounters that we saw in the Manuleti, including a leopard that just came right up to our vehicle, rare wild dogs, my wife and I staying in a stargazer. You'll have to stay tuned to figure out what that is, but it was such an amazing experience. This podcast is also for anybody who is interested in becoming a ranger. How did he do it? How did he land this dream job? Al gives all that information in this awesome podcast interview. Al also talks about the best time to visit the Greater Kruger National Park and the best place to stay. Spoiler alert, he's going to mention Tent Swallow. We had such a good time there. So I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Before we do so, if you haven't already, please make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another Animals to the Max podcast interview. I also encourage you to head on over to our YouTube channel and my Instagram and TikTok and Facebook feeds because that is where I have videos of our experience at Tent Swallow, videos of these encounters we had with these animals. And so check that out. I will put the links in the show notes. Alistair is also the host of the very popular virtual safari experience on YouTube. So I'll put the link as well. Make sure to go subscribe to his page. With that said, let's get to it. Al, welcome to the show. Well, when thanks so much for having me on. It's great to great to be on you. Hey, thank you for staying up for me because I know you've had a long day of safari and it's what eight o'clock your time in South Africa. Eight o'clock. We've just got back from safari, so it's 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 just awesome to be on your show. Okay, so you're gonna make me jealous, but did you have a good safari today? We had a great safari today. We actually found wild dogs, the same pack that I saw with you, and the same hyenas were with this with that pack of wild dogs, and we follow them they didn't they didn't catch anything but it was just great to spend time with them and those hyenas again oh my gosh that was one of my favorite moments by the way that last day when it was just you and i my wife sam gear tracker reply and we were just surrounded by wild dogs and hyenas that was probably one of my favorite moments in africa yeah that was incredible and i think just to spend time with them by ourselves was 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 pretty awesome so I'm glad you got to see them and they were out and about tonight. Yeah, and I guess just to kind of jump into it, that's what was so awesome about going on safari with you and going through Tent Swallow and the Manuleti is that there weren't crowds of people around these wild dogs. We literally had the dogs to ourselves, like the most endangered African carnivores, and it's just us and these dogs and hyenas. Yeah, I think that's what makes Tent Swallow and the Manuleti such an amazing place is the lack of vehicles, um, which is a positive thing. Not many lodges and not many vehicles. So you have time to spend with the animals and, and animals like wild dogs, which are critically endangered. And you, you know for yourself, we spent hours with those animals with no other vehicles around. 
Yeah, my only complaint is I wish I wish we could have stayed longer. <laughs> like time well, flies. Just gotta come back. I know time flies when you're in the bush. I remember I was like, oh man, it's already time for breakfast. And mind you, we're up super early. Like, I mean, what, what time were we up? Like four thirty, four forty-five in the morning. Yeah, yeah four thirty out at five. Yeah, so we were out for hours. Yeah, able to see them. Okay, Al, I've been dying to get you on the show ever since I met you. Because you're so fascinating, you are just have such an extensive career working in the safari industry. I mean, you you mentioned you've been working in the industry for 19 years. 19 years, and it feels like I started uh, the other day because I love it. It's a pure passion of mine, and I just love being out there, love being out with the animals, and and showing people like you, my my backyard. Yeah, how does one become a ranger? In South Africa, if you want to become a ranger, you've got to be qualified um, through an organization called FAGASA, Field Guards of South Africa. And um, you obviously got your different levels and uh, you can move up according to those levels, but you got to have that qualification. It's a practical and a theoretical uh, qualification. You know, a, a five-star lodge like Tinswalo will only take rangers of a certain level that have had a certain amount of years years in the industry, but you've got to go through Fagasa and you've got to have experience in the industry. So how long is that program? Uh, sure. To, I would say to work at Tinswalo, um, we, we require sort of a level two full trails guide. Um, which probably takes ranges about three or four years um, to get. So to get to a lodge like and Swallow, you're looking at three or four years. Wow. And when you were growing up, did you always want to be a ranger? I always wanted to be a ranger. I remember um, I've got two brothers, and um, they always used to have different kind of birthday cakes. And my birthday cake was always a ranger cake or a lion cake. Um, so my mom always knew from a little boy I always wanted to be a ranger. And it was always a passion of mine. We used to go to the Kruger National Park as a family. And I always just wanted to be be with animals and, and be out there. Were your other brothers like, eh, I mean, they thought it was cool, but they weren't as interested as you? Yeah, they were never as interested as me. I was always last out the car, first in the car, making my dad drive me further and further in the Kruger Park. So it was always a passion of mine. And I still haven't lost that passion. I still still love it. And that's why I still guard at Tinswala. What was your first memory as a kid going into Kruger with your family? I think my first memory ever was, you know, my favorite animal is lions, as you know. And uh, I remember we drove in the Kruger National Park and there was two male lions fighting. And uh, I think I was maybe three or four. And I still remember that, that, that visual of those, those, those lions. And always from then on, I think lions has always been my favorite animal. Wow. That is, wow. And so you, and so you continue to go to the Kruger through your childhood. Was it a direct path to become a ranger or take us through the steps? Did you go through different careers before finally landing your dream career? Yeah. So um, my mom also said to me, before I become a game ranger, I need to go and get another degree. So uh, I went and got a marketing degree and an honors in logistics. Um, and when I finished that, I went straight to the bush. And uh, at the time I thought my mom didn't know what she was talking about, but now I know it's a, uh, it was the right thing to do. And I do the marketing for Tinswalo in the U.S. with the owners. And everything about a lodge is logistics. So my mom was actually right. So I combined marketing, logistics, and my guiding. So it all worked perfectly. Yeah, just driving with you, you have a marketing brain, which is great. Like, because you were already, it was it was perfect. Because you already were like two steps ahead of us thinking of content we could film. Or like, what 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 we should do? How could we involve the lodge? Which animals we could feature? Which was awesome. Yeah, no, thanks. It does definitely help. And uh, as I say, combining my passion with marketing um, helps helps a lot. And being around, around people like you, combining your mind and my mind, we got some incredible um, footage and some incredible some viewing. Yeah. Yeah. So take us through the day in the life of a ranger. 
what you do. And the cool thing is your, your, your family actually lives at Tent Swallower, I guess, on the property, which is amazing. You like took the whole family. I just, I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've got two kids. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. We live at, at Tent Swallow. We've also got a big fence around our house because you are in the wild. You are in the Kruger. Lions come past our house. Elephants come past our house. But my little boy loves it, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be a ranger one day. He never lets me go on game drive without him. But, yeah, just a day in the life. Um, if I take tomorrow, for an example, I'll be up at 4 o'clock, um, out by half past 4 because it's getting quite hot in summer. Winter, the times obviously change. We're normally out from about 4.30 till about 9.30, all depending on what you see. But by 9.30, it's getting quite hot in summer, and you return back to the lodge for breakfast. You've got the day to sort of catch up on any admin or any meetings. And then we're out again by 4, from 4 till about 7. When it starts to get dark, we come back, you have dinner, and then you try and get to bed as early as you can so you can be fresh for the next morning. Do you ever get tired? Your body sort of gets used to it. But um, you do get tired. But once you're up in the morning and you've had that first cup of coffee and you hear that lion roaring or that leopard rasping, you, you, you lose that tiredness. Yeah. And so what time do you go to bed at night? Am I cutting into your, your, your bedtime right now? My bedtime's normally about nine o'clock. Um, but then I'm, I put my head down to sleep and I sleep nicely. So now you're not cutting into my bedtime. Well, this is a three hour interview. I forgot to mention. So we're, we're going to do the Joe Rogan style. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I remember asking you so many questions because I was so fascinated with the job. Because I, for me, I look at you and it just seems like you have a dream job. Your family's there. Your family is so into it. Like your your wonderful wife, Emily, your kids are into it. And I just, because, you know, this podcast is about people pursuing their dreams. And do you have any advice for anyone wanting to become a ranger one day? Yeah, I always say to everyone um, that I meet, follow your, your dreams. Okay. Life's about memories and experiences. So... I chose the path to have memories and experiences and, and have my family living in a place that's, that's incredible. It's a, it's a place of dreams. So I just say to people, just follow your passion. If you follow your passion, everything else will come right because you'll be happy. You want to go to work. You know, I can't wait to get up and go to work every single morning. I've been doing this for 19 years, and I'm like a kid in a toy shop. When I get up in the morning, I just want to go and grab as many animals and as many toys as I can. Yeah, and I... So I, I, I've been on a few safaris and I've never have been on one like, like yours. And this is a, this is a compliment because I felt like I was at a restaurant every morning. Cause you said, okay, like, what's your order? What do you want to see? And yes. I was, I, it was, it was amazing. Like, I was like, wait, I want to see this. I want to see that. And I, I remember like the first day I was like, I really want to see wild dogs. You're like, okay. And 15 minutes in, we had that small pack of wild dogs. Well, I think, you know, being in the Manuleti, being such a big reserve, is open to the Kruger National Park. We've got quite a lot of choice and variety to, to, to choose from. Um, other reserves tend to be a little bit smaller, but we, we're very lucky in the Manuleti. So, yeah, we do have the choice to move around and see. Um, obviously, it doesn't always happen like that. We were quite lucky while you were here, but uh, Tinswala and the Manuleti is quite an amazing concession, and we get a lot of, lot of animals that are always on. So we can sort of pick and choose where we're going to go. So, Al, I, just to be completely honest, from someone who lives in the States, for someone who was like, because when we were first looking into South Africa, when we looked into the information, a lot of it was overwhelming. I was confused whether I should go to the Kruger, whether I should go to a private game reserve. Can you explain that a little bit? Because some people are don't even realize there are other reserves outside of the Kruger. Well, Kruger is a very, very big place. Um, it's probably about 
two and a half um, million hectares, which is probably about five million acres. And then you've got all these um, what we call the Western Buffer Zones, which is part of the Greater Kruger National Park. So that's where all the private um, lodges normally are, is on the western side of the Kruger National Park. That's where Tinswalo is and the Manuleti is. There's no fences between the Greater Kruger National Park, where we are, the Manuleti, and the Kruger National Park. The animals can roam freely. When you're on, on Tinswalo, you obviously get the same animals that come in from Kruger, but you've got a guide. You've got a tracker on the vehicle who helps find the animals. You, all the guides are in radio contact. Contact. You have the ability to off-road and get closer to the animals like you saw. So that's what makes this Manuleti Game Reserve so so incredible. And I would recommend coming to the private game reserves because you're going to get a lot closer to the animals. So in Kruger, the actual national park, you can't off-road. Is that correct? There are some lodges in the Kruger where you can do that. But most of Kruger is where you've got to stay on the roads and you're in your own car and uh, you've got to stay on those roads and you can't drive anywhere. Is the Kruger crowded? Parts of Kruger can get crowded in certain times, you know, especially during Christmas holidays and, and, and those those things. But everyone's on, on a road. There's, there's, there's quite big camps there. You know, I used to holiday like that in Kruger. Um, I just I just love being at Tinswalo where, you know, you've got a limited amount of vehicles in a sighting. Um, we only allow three vehicles in a sighting. You've got to wait on standby. So the animals never have more than three vehicles. And sometimes in, in, in parts of Kruger, you can get more vehicles around animals. Yeah, I always I've talked about this on the podcast, but I remember my first safari to Kenya in the Maasai Mara. My first big cat was a cheetah and the cheetah was in a bush. And I remember there had to have been 15 to 20 cars circling this bush. And I remember I remember writing down in my journal something felt weird about it. Like it was exciting to see the cheetah, but it was like, ah, it just felt. I don't know. I felt like I was at Disneyland or something. With because when you watch Nat Geo or you dream of going on an African safari, you you don't see all the vehicles in some of those crowded parks. Yeah, that's why we're so lucky. Where we've got rules and regulations, the guides know what to do. Um, it's maximum of three vehicles in a sighting. If it's a sharp, skittish animal or leopard, it's it's two vehicles. Um, so we take a lot of care um, in making sure the animals are relaxed with the vehicles. And as you saw, they are and uh, you get incredible sightings and you have the ability to follow them off road, which I think is another major factor which enhances your safari experience. Yes. OK, well, can we go through my safari experience with you and our experience at Tint Swallow? Because we loved it. We're still talking about it. We are just hooked. I should also mention that you're the host of the virtual safari at Tint Swallow on YouTube, correct? Yes, YouTube and Facebook. Yes. Um, we, we do three episodes a week. And uh, yeah, please follow us and subscribe and see and see how it really happens at Tinswala. I will put the links in the show notes. But the first animals we saw, which I was so excited to see in South Africa, were wild dogs. Would you say that they're underrated? Sure. Wild dogs are, are, are quite an endangered, endangered animal. So I think definitely, you know, everyone knows lions and leopards and elephants and rhinos and buffaloes. But Wild dogs are incredibly endangered, and there's only probably about 300 of them in the park, in the whole of the Kruger National wow. Park and the Greater Kruger National Park. So it's a big area to see to see wild dogs, and so it's a privilege when we when we do see them. And us as guides, when we hear wild dogs are on the reserve, we, we, we just have a great day. I think so, and when I posted the video online, I feel like some people were confused, like, oh, are these just normal dogs? Like, I've never heard of this. Where are the lions? And I, that's why I felt like they were super underrated. And I didn't know if you felt that yeah. with safari guests, too, who were like, oh, it's it's a dog. Okay, where are the lions? Yeah. So, you know. you know, that's why they're wild dogs, but I like to call them painted wolves. 
um, or, or cape hunting dogs. When you say painted wolf to a person, you know, it sort of changes the, um, the idea of, of a wild dog. And then you explain how rare and endangered they are and how successful they are in hunting. And yeah, then, then, then people start to, to get interested, but they feed off your sort of enthusiasm when you see the dogs because you know how rare they are. They're so rare. And the fact that they're really efficient hunters incredibly i mean out of all the predators out of lion leopard hyena cheetah wild dog are the most successful killing between maybe 65 and 95 percent you know compared to a lion or leopard who's who's catching prey at 10 or 15 percent of the time so they they run down their prey they work in a pack and they're incredibly successful hunters yeah i remember that last day we were at tent swallow when we saw the larger pack of wild dogs and the hyenas were were there why are the hyenas following the wild dogs al so the, the hyenas follow the wild dogs because the wild dogs are such efficient killers that the hyenas know once they kill, hyenas are, are, are a lot stronger and heavier than wild dogs and tend to push the wild dogs off off the prey. So the hyenas follow them and then hoping the wild dogs make a kill within range and then they can chase them off. Yeah, I I just remember that morning was so special and my wife and I, because I remember you were like, well, these, these wild dogs, these dogs are hungry and they're going to hunt. And yes. I remember my, my wife was like, oh, this is great. We can come back in the afternoon. And then we realized, like, darn it, it was our last day. And then yeah. I think you messaged me on they WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They, they hunted, yeah. And they were successful? Yeah, yeah. So, it's, I mean, if you if you used to spend the morning or the afternoon with a pack of wild dogs like we saw, you're pretty sure you're going to see them catch something because they are such efficient hunters. And what are they primarily hunting? They're mainly hunting impalas. Especially now, it's um, impala lambing season. Okay. So they they um, attack a lot of impalas. They attack bushbuck, um, inyala, small wildebeests, but mainly impala. Yeah, I remember we like drove past the dogs and saw impala, and we were just secretly hoping, like, please go over there, <laughs> like, as we just wanted to see a kill. Is and I know I've asked you this a million times on safari, but for the listeners, can you talk about the experience of when you and your guest witness a kill? Yeah, you know, it's very hard sometimes to explain to a guest. You know, when you hear the word kill, people think, oh, no, what, you know. But it's it's nature and things happen like that in nature. So, you know, I think wild dog um, attacking an impala or killing impala is quite quick. But when you see lions take on a buffalo, um, you know, it's quite an epic encounter. It's it's raw nature. Um, when the other day I saw Pride of 15 lions pull down a big bull buffalo, and it takes about two hours to to take the buffalo down. So people have, have incredible emotions, you know, when they do see it. But um, us as guides, it's it's for us to interpret that it is nature. This is how it happens. If the lions didn't kill the buffalo, they wouldn't eat. If the wild dogs didn't kill impala, they wouldn't eat. So it's it's quite a, an interesting experience, and people get quite emotional. But they realize how incredibly rare it is to see another animal take another animal down are you desensitized to watching a kill after 19 years of experience in the bush no i mean i still i still feel for 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 the animals you know it is it is hard to watch lions take down a buffalo or wild dogs take down an impala but um as we all know you know it's nature and 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 our our role in nature is to view nature and not interfere so you i'm not i wouldn't say i'm desensitized but i respect nature and that's what you've got to do and just follow nature yeah, you guys remove yourself, You, which I found so fascinating. Like, I even remember I wanted to hop out of the car and move a tortoise out of the road. And it was very clear, like, no, just let the tortoise cross itself. Like, we don't interfere. And I found that really fascinating. You guys let nature just take its course. 
Yeah, I think when you work in a big place like Kruger, um, it's a large reserve, and uh, you, you just let nature take its course. Obviously, if an animal gets harmed by a person or, or something like that, then we will interfere. But if an animal sort of gets injured naturally, then it's, it's how it is, and, 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 and it, was, it must stay. Yeah, and completely side note, why do you not pick up the tortoises? Because I found this so fascinating. Yeah, so we don't pick up the tortoises because when you had come, there wasn't rain yet, I think. And um, tortoises, when you pick them up, they release a lot of water, defense mechanism. So if there's no water around and it releases all its water as a defense mechanism, then it could die of thirst. So in the in the summer, it's much when you've got lots of rain, I would say, OK, it's OK to pick up a tortoise. But definitely not in the in the winter when it doesn't have any water to, to get to. If it's going to be driven over by a car on the road, then definitely summer or winter, move it and try and put it next to some some water if you do. Yeah, I remember driving with you and I was like, oh my gosh, like I was like, watch out for snakes in my mind. Because here in Idaho, people just in the spring and summer plow through our native gopher snakes and it just crushes me. And I asked you in 19 years, you said you've never hit a snake. No, no, never. So, you know, we, we, we're very observant to where we're driving and uh, you've got to be so careful because there is, you know, hares and snakes in the road and uh, yeah, you just you just drive slowly and carefully. Okay, so let's talk about, I saw the wild dogs. We then moved on to leopard, which, oh man, probably one of my favorite animals to see. And I've been to Kenya twice. If you've listened to the podcast, you know, I complain all the time that I went to Kenya twice and never saw my leopard. And I think right after the wild dogs, we got a call and we saw a large male leopard. Yeah, I think also to see a leopard, it's a very elusive and secretive animal. But we're very lucky in these parts of Kruger that we've worked very carefully and very hard in what we call habituating animals. So habituating means they, they're used to the vehicles, but they carry on with their own sort of way of nature. Um, so they allow you to follow them in the vehicles. Um, and yeah, seeing that large male leopard, Tavangumi, was, he's the dominant male of the southern part of the reserve. And he was just awesome. I remember he had just killed a wildebeest and he was quite full and he was looking for water. And uh, we followed him all the way to to that water puddle. And it was quite amazing for you guys to see him. And we walked pretty close to Reply. And it was, yeah, just an awesome experience. Yes. And let's talk about Reply. Who is Reply? So Reply is is my tracker, my partner on the on the vehicle. Um, I call him my bush wife. I spend more time with Reply <laughs> than I do with wife. Uh, and we're, we're, we're a great team. And uh, so Reply's job is to sit on the front of the vehicle, spot animals. When we do find animals, he goes and tracks them. He's a specialized tracker. He's trained in tracking. And it's big areas that we've got to find these animals. And without our trackers, we wouldn't find these animals. So Reply is, a, is, a, is an important and integral part of the safari experience. And we come as a package, we come as a team, and uh, we make sure we give guests the most incredible experience. You guys did. Reply was fantastic. I wanted to have, I told you, because I mentioned, because my wife and I own a wine tour business, Snake River Wine Tours. I wanted to take Reply back to the States. And I remember you said you could take him, but you get no reply from me. (laughs) (laughs) He's great. You know, you add so much to the experience and and it's lovely to have him on the front. And uh, yeah, he spots so many animals and... 
That's what makes it so amazing. So many animals. Okay, back to the leopard. I found this so fascinating. I don't know if it was the Manuleti you were talking about. You were telling me about a reserve that was once a hunting reserve, and the animals had to get used to vehicles. And you said that they would slowly habituate the animals by using vehicles. What reserve was that? Was that the Manuleti, or was it another reserve? No, I can't remember which reserve I said, but there's a lot of hunting reserves. Mm-hmm. Um that, that change over into game reserves and it's very difficult for these animals to sort of trust vehicles and mm. it's, a, it's a huge process that has to be done to get the animals to, to be habituated. But I can't remember which which one I was, which reserve, but it wasn't the Manuleti, no. It was so fascinating though because you were saying it happened, I mean, over a few generations the leopards got used to getting used yeah. to vehicles and just, you know, yeah. going going back to that big male leopard that leopard came right up to the vehicle and I, I filmed that and I remember people online, I mean, it got so many views, hundreds of thousands of views and people were like, oh my gosh, were you scared? That was like the number one comment, were you scared? Yeah. So how do you reply to people who say that? Because I'm sure you get it all the time. People do get scared, you know, when they see these animals so close to the vehicles. I mean, we just say, you know, the rangers are trained, the trackers are trained. Just trust us, don't stand up, don't stick your hands out and these animals just see you as a, a block in the environment and, and don't do anything anything to the vehicle and just carry on with their natural environment. So we would never put you in danger and um, that's our job to make sure you see the animals and, and are safe. But I'll tell you, this leopard was so close to Reply, your tracker, on the front of the vehicle. I mean, are you ever nervous for Reply's life? You know, I think Reply is well trained and he, would, he has the opportunity to come back into the vehicle over the bonnet and... Um, he often has lions walking under his feet, leopards, and yeah, he's not—he's not worried, and I'm not worried if he's not worried. Wow, I just yeah, I remember the animals just were coming right up. I don't think I was that nervous with with the leopard. I was just just in shock at how close. I mean, it was so close you could hear it breathing. That's how close it was. Yeah, yeah, that male's very relaxed. He walks past the cars like it's nothing. There are some leopards in the Manuleti that are very afraid of vehicles just because they've never seen vehicles. They've come from parts of Kruger that don't see vehicles. And then you won't see that animal f- from 100 meters. It's, it'll stay away from you and you'll never see it. So it's just that that leopard's become habituated with the vehicles. Beautiful male leopard. And I will put the link in the show notes of those videos because it was just, oh, just so fascinating. Okay, next on to the animals, lions. And can we talk about the lion suit really quick? Yeah, I mean, I think it was great to have you in the lion suit. To be able to go on game drive with you in a lion suit was a first for me. And then tracking lions, we started tracking lions, we heard lions. Find the lions in your lion suit was definitely a first for me on safari, and I hope we can do it again. Yeah, I I hope so too. And for those of you wondering what's going on with the lion suit, what are you talking about? I wore a lion suit flying to Africa. On my flight, I wore this full-on lion costume. My wife was mortified, like beyond mortified. And anyway, she wanted me to toss the suit, and I, I honestly was not planning on wearing it in south africa because al i don't know if i told you this i had south africans tell me in atlanta before we before we boarded the plane they came up to me and said do not wear that suit in our country like you need to take that off like they were very serious about just this is not a good idea so i wasn't planning on bringing it out and then you're the one that was like you should bring the suit on safari and i'm like what yeah you know well the animals don't really associate people on the vehicle so you know as long as you stay seats uh, stayed seated and as you saw we drove into the lines and the lines paid no attention to us 
but it was it was just cool and it's also a way of raising awareness for lions you know so it's it's really cool it was also cool to see people's reactions there were people like taking photos of me with cameras and phones like i was some you know like carnival attraction it was pretty funny it was great and uh, i'd love to do it again yeah me and too anyone who wants to wear your suit and come on safari at tinsvalo let's do it yes and do you still have the suit we still have the suit. Okay, yeah. So if you go to Tent Swallow and you request the lion suit, you can wear that suit. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, let's talk about one of the most elusive cats in the Manuleti, and that is the cheetah. The cheetah. The yeah. cheetah. We saw it. You saw it, and you saw a kill. Oh, I saw a kill. I mean, I haven't even I haven't even released footage of that yet. Have you noticed? I, I I've been, I've I've been like keeping it tucked away because i haven't released my long form youtube videos yet i'm waiting for it though i can't wait yeah that was amazing i mean i think we we briefly saw that male cheetah in the morning and then we got into this other cheetah in the afternoon and it was just us again following and then that ran in that open area and grabbed that wildebeest and uh, as i say it was raw nature at in action it really, really was. And I remember it was the strangest thing. It was, I think it was our last safari day and we, we, we saw that male cheetah. And then I remember, I thought it was just like kind of casually walking around. I had no idea that this animal was on a mission. It was hunting. And all of a sudden it just started picking up speed. And before you know it, it just takes off. And it so fast, like I know it's the fastest land mammal, but my goodness, to see it in person was just blew my mind. Yeah. And then the pride of lions stole its kill later and we went back and saw all the lions feeding on the kill. So oh it was gosh. quite awesome. And you said you've only seen that, what, five times in 19 years? Yeah. An actual chase of a cheetah bringing down an animal. Yeah. So very, very rare. Very rare. I've seen them eating a lot, but five times in 19 years actually chasing down and grabbing something. Yeah. And I remember we also had some other guests at Tent Swallow and they pulled up after we had saw the kill and the gal yeah. looked she looked mortified. Like she looked very shocked. And we later asked her at camp that evening what her experience was like. And she said they were so shocked because they had just 10 minutes earlier had taken photos of this baby wildebeest calf. They like had this moment with this calf. They like, you know, go up the road a bit, turn around. And then the calf is in a cheetah's mouth. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. And she was sad, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's nature. Oh, it's nature, and it was. I'm so happy we got it on film. I can't wait to get that that out. That was such an amazing time. Another highlight for me is staying at the Tent Swallow Manor House. Can you explain that to listeners what the Manor House is and what our experience was like? Because that was crazy. Yeah, so we've obviously got the the lodge, which has eight luxury suites, and then the Manor House is our luxury villa. Um, which is great for families, multi-generational families. It's, it uh, sleeps up to 10 people, five all ensuite bathrooms. It's got its own pool. It's got its own boma. It's got its own bar. It's got its own sleep out deck. And I think, you know, for families, it's got a water hole in front. So it's, it's five star, but um, you get your ranger, you get your tracker, your chef, your butler, but you're out in the bush in this luxury villa with your family. And uh, I think you enjoyed the sleep out deck the most, huh? The Stargazer. Tell us about the Stargazer, because we slept underneath the African stars. Yeah, well, I always say it's a little bit of glamping. You know, you're on top of a, uh, a wooden structure. We set it up with a beautiful mosquito net. You've got a beautiful double bed with lights. And uh, you're out there at night. You're obviously raised um, up in the sky, so the animals don't get you. There's a fence around as well. But you get the full feeling of the, the African sky, the stars. Manuleti means place of many stars. 
So we really encourage people to go out onto the stargazing deck, sleep there, enjoy the stars, and listen to the night sounds in the Manuleti. And we had over 30 elephants come to the water hole. I literally had, I, I stopped counting. Yeah, no, that's that was amazing. And I, and I mean, I think, you, did you hear lions roaring that night, or was it just the elephants that came? Well, it was just the elephants, but I, do you remember that night it was storming, like, really, really bad? But I was like, we have, I was like, we have to wait it out, but I, it felt like a movie, because the nets around the, the bed were just blowing in the wind, like, just, I mean, it was insane, like, it was like a crazy storm, but I was like, honey, we have to, we have to stick it out for Al, like, we have to tell him we stayed out here. <laughs> And then I think at 11.45 at night, she's like, I'm done. She's like, you could stay out here, but I'm going in the manor house. I was like, okay. And then it ended up raining, so we stayed in the manor house. No, well, yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to experience it a little bit. Yeah, that was amazing. Okay, I want to talk about something that happened after we left Tent Swallow. And I... I'm just so, I can't even believe this happened, but after we left Tit Swallow, you had a very, 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 very rare animal sighting. Can you talk about that? So we're very fortunate where we are in the Manuleti. There's three wild white lions at the moment in the whole of the Kruger National Park. They're born into wild prides, they're completely natural. They're not albino. They are, it's just a recessive gene and uh, they occur naturally in the wild. And we're very fortunate that one of the male lions that, that's completely white comes onto the Manuleti with a tawny pride of lions. And uh, we managed to see that wild male line. So white male line. And we do see it. We don't see it often. But it's pretty incredible to be able to see a pure white line in its natural environment as a wild line. Well, I mean, the day after we leave, what are the odds, Al? What are the odds that would happen? Well, I think you used up all your luck with the wild dogs and the cheetahs. So you're going to have to come next time to see the white lines. Yeah, I remember. So the whole the whole premise of this trip was I was going to do safari. And then Sam, my wife, was like, OK, but we have to do beach. And I remember we were sitting on our on our lawn chairs in Mozambique. And we got the message that you saw white lions. And she literally said, should we go back to Tent Swallow? She was looking at flights to actually come back and cancel the rest of our trip on the beach. Like we were on the beach on the Indian Ocean and she wanted to come back so bad. Well, I think it's such a rare sighting to see a wild white line. I mean, lines are rare anyway, but to see a completely white white line is 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 incredibly rare. So yeah, I would have I would have taken my tickets back to come and see that line. Oh man, well we'll definitely be back as we wrap this up for people listening who want to go on safari, uh, maybe who are hesitant. I mean, because we were telling you here in the States, some people are nervous about traveling to Africa. They are nervous that it's dangerous. We told you that our local clinic that we had to go get our shots to go to Africa had this giant like eight by 10 photo of a mosquito. <laughs> like it was, it was so intense. Like, like to go to Africa, this giant thing, like beware of mosquitoes, beware of this and that. What do you say to those people who are on the fence about traveling to South Africa? You know, well, I always say, you know, coming to, to South Africa, South Africa is an incredible country. Get into the bush and get into Cape Town as, as, as quick as you can. Being here in the bush, you've got nothing to worry about. It obviously is a very low malaria risk area, but take your malaria medication. We make sure we, we, we spray around the lodge under mosquito nets. I have kids in the bush. You know, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old that live in the bush with me. So we just take precautions and you don't need to worry about anything. The only thing I always tell guests to worry about is the sun. You know, as you can see, I'm very tanned at the moment, but uh, just drink a lot of water and that's all you need to worry about. 
is dehydration. I did not feel unsafe at, at any point when I was in the bush, like at all. Like there was yeah. no point when I was like, oh, this is scary. Like I felt completely comfortable. You have guides that, or I guess security guards that take you back to your suites at night. Like there was no point where I thought unsafe while staying at Tent Swallow. Yeah, you got nothing to worry about. As I say, our security guards walk you back at night in case you bump into a wild animal. All our guards are trained. Our trackers are trained. And it's a safe environment. And as I say, I've got kids in this environment. And uh, yeah, just come here and enjoy it and we'll look after you. Yeah, and I thought it was crazy too. On a side note, you guys were interested in possibly getting a pet dog. But you have to worry about leopards where you live. Yes, you got to worry about leopards and lions. And uh, yeah, so you got to be very careful that you, you, you don't have too many pets because the leopards can end up coming into your into your garden and taking those pets. So if you are going to have them, you got to look after them. Take them in the house, have a big fence around, electric fence, but just look after them. Well, Al, thank you so much for your time. If someone wants to book a tent swallow safari, how much time in advance do they need? When When's the best time to visit, in your opinion? Yeah, so, I mean, tent swallow is quite a popular lodge, so we always say to people, book in advance. Um, for me, the best times of year is, is our winter. Um, it's from about May through to October. That's the best time. The, the temperature is beautiful. Um, the sky is clear. You don't get a lot of rain. Um, the bush is not so thick, so you can see the animals. There's not a lot of water around. So the animals tend to stick at certain pans and certain dams. But then say, so, you know, that's my favorite time. But some people love to see the birds. Some people love to see the baby animals. So then our summer is the best. Um, that's from November through to February. But my best time, and, and I love the time, is, is the winter time. You can spend longer in the bush. It's not so so hot. So I would say come any time from May through to October. That's awesome. And I will put the links in the show notes. Al, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. And I'm, hey, you know what? Really quick, I apologize for asking so many questions on Safari because I did not shut up the whole Safari. And I realized that after going through all the footage. So thank you for your patience with me. Corbin, it was a pleasure having you on Safari. And I loved all your questions. And I think, you know, people like you make me go out every morning and, and, and just enjoy it and share my passion with me. So I loved all your questions. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.